Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, I'm very frustrated with the brain right now. Anyway, uh, this week we have two amazing and spectacular co-hosts that I also see on Thursdays when I run dungeons with them at low levels. Uh, first up is the editor-in-chief of Blizzard Watch, the uh, inimitable Alex Zebart. Alex, what's up? Am I amazingly spectacular or spectacularly amazing? You can be whatever you want to be. I believe in you. Okay, I'll take it. Um... I mean, That's I have good. evidence that you're real, so I have no choice but to believe in you. That's true. Um, but sometimes I do need people to clap to keep me alive. Well, there you go. It's just its just a thing. You know, I can't really explain it. I don't know what that says it, about It's your me. Rufio obsession, really. It is. I, I do, in fact, still have that Rufio toy hanging on my wall. And I will never be parted from it. <laughs> Also, now that we're done talking about Hook, because, man, there's a movie that we should just talk about it constantly instead of doing our jobs. Uh, I mean, I could get away also with, with this. I know, I know you could. Also, with this this week, as she is every week, uh, our own Ann Stickney. Uh, Ann, <laughs> save us from the Rufio talk, please. So, did you guys know, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but if you if you... Start the Mortal Kombat soundtrack right when you start the beginning of Hook. It syncs up. Yeah, you told us that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like um, Dark Side of the Moon and the Wizard of Oz. Yep. It seemed appropriate to mention that today, of all days. Anyway. I don't, I don't know why you do that when Hook already has, uh, what is it, Bangarang? I know, it has a great soundtrack already. This was just yeah. something that we discovered when I was in college. Foolish. Well, Quite you know, foolish. that's what you do in college. So, um, yeah, I haven't really... Most of what I've done this week, I think, has been PTR stuff. Like, fiddling around on the PTR and looking at stuff on the PTR. Cause and the PTR lamenting stuff. the fact that you can't just crap out 15,000 garrison resources in an instant to test anything. Actually, I had 10,000 going in, so... <laughs> yeah, well, don't you need, like, 6,000 currently to... This is placeholder, by the way, everybody. It is don't placeholder. Don't you need 6,000 to get the shipyard built, and then another 10,000 to five, build the ship? It's five to build the shipyard, and then... Um, I haven't checked on it recently, so I haven't tried to build a ship. But I did hear that the next build, they will be reducing that amount. Yeah, I mean, so. it, it's placeholder numbers, but in the meantime, you can't test anything, because... You can kind of look at it. You can give it a good, a good long look. Yeah. If if you need five thousand to build a shipyard and ten thousand to build a ship, and the cap is ten thousand, you're not testing these things in this PTR build. This no. is how it's going to be. It's just going to be in the next yeah. build. But it's a very. Was really... I, the shipyard's really pretty. Even on the horde side, it's really pretty. I was surprised. There's no chairs. So you can, we we talked about this last week, so you can answer it for us now. Mm-hmm. It's the shipyard's right in your garrison, right? The shipyard is right in your garrison. The way you get your shipyard sends you to the iron docks. So there is some content out there on the iron docks. There's like a quest chain that you have to finish because the guy that knows how to build shipyards is at the iron docks, and you have to go get him and bring him back to your garrison. So he. he I guess he can't, like, write it down for you. He needs to come with you. 
because that's just me, how these things work. Gruthok not literate. What? Me an orc. <laughs> me not me not right. What? <laughs> me not right. You just do it this way. Couldn't we didn't have anybody in Stormwind who could have done this for us? Nope, just that guy. Nope, nope, just that guy. We have a shipyard. We have a shipyard in Stormwind. Yeah, I didn't yeah, think we about have that. Why do we need <laughs> yeah, to get orcs to know how to build a shipyard? Here's why, because we let Barros Alexton, the architect of Stormwind, die. <laughs> That's why. See, if your architect were still around, this would not be an issue. Now, yeah, as for Stormwind me... Stormwind isn't our only place with boats. <laughs> yeah. Like, the entirety well, of Northrend, you know, how do you get to Northrend? By ship. You'd think we know how to build a shipyard already. Like <laughs> or at least, you know... Around- a couple yeah, of docks. The elves and Drana are sitting around going, "Don't, don't we have boats? Just let them go get the orc. It's easier than explaining to a human that somebody else can do something." Oh man, night elves. Don't we? Ha- don't we know how to build ships? Yeah, no. Yeah. We don't need your help, night elves. You can go construct another moon well. And here, here's the thing, right? <laughs> go ahead. The, the water uh, between the garrisons. I mean, and the alliance side, anyways. It's like a little puddle between Tanan and our garrison. Yeah, I was going to say, I can mount up on a water strider and ride across the canal. Like, we could right now on the stream, if we wanted to, we could mount up and water walk our way over to Tanan. Like, right now. Like, I don't think a ship even fits between the zones. I don't know why they want a naval assault in a canal. I mean, you could just... You know that giant honking cannon that you've got on top of your barracks? That could probably hit Tanan from here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes a little more sense for the Horde, because you're on the opposite end of the continent. But the Alliance, <laughs> like, we just step out our back door and we spit on Tanan. Like, it's can, right there. You can, you can see Tanan from your house. <laughs> my outhouse is actually in Tanan. I make my followers <laughs> go over there so it doesn't stink up the place. <laughs> Okay, before Alex gets any further into this, he has another rant he wants to do. So let's move on to that. Yeah, this week, us, um, our editor-in-chief wanted to rant about... Tell us tell us about Hellfire Peninsula, Alex. Yeah, tell us about this, it, Matt. I don't know how much of a rant it'll be. Um, but I've, I've been leveling a hunter in addition to the, the stream character. I kind of just wanted to you know, have a character to screw around with. And a hunter seemed the thing that would take the least amount of effort and brain power. They're fun, aren't they? And, um... It takes no effort or brain power. I know, it's like right-click on something. Oh, look, it's dead. <laughs> and and I got to level 60, went to Hellfire Peninsula, and I remember those quests, if not being great, I remember them being functional. And I know people have brought up, oh, is Outland going to get a Cataclysm-style revamp? And Blizzard's been like, no, those quests are of higher quality than vanilla, they hold up a lot better. No, the zone is awful. And it's not, oh, these are old quests. It's it, the, the place has fallen into developer disrepair over the years. Are there are bugs? quests. Yeah. Um, you remember the quest? I don't know if the Horde gets it. Um, the quest Fell Spirits, where you plunk down something that looks like a phallus, and you kill orcs near it. <laughs> yeah, then, actually. Yes, I, I know that. what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, for some reason, those orcs take like one-fifth of normal damage with no explanation. Really? My attacks would crit for 58 damage instead of like a thousand some. And my pet was doing no damage. And luckily, I'm a hunter, so I have a pet that can't die. So I could do the quest, but there was another druid in the area trying to do the quest at the same time. And they were a feral druid. They would die before they could kill the mob. Oh, no. The mobs just don't take damage. There's no explanation for it. And I went to Wowhead to see if that was normal, and somebody had left a comment. As of 6.0.2, this quest is bugged. These things don't take damage. And so it's been bugged since Warlord's pre-release. Which was, what, October? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And at some point, um, there's the quest where you need to cleanse boar meat or some crap. And I, I hate that quest. Oh my gosh, I hate that quest. They so changed much. it. But they? they changed it in a way that's broken. Because it used to be you could loot a bunch of meat and then go through them one at a time, and sometimes you'd get cleansed meat, and sometimes you'd get spoiled meat. If you loot like a dozen meats, 
you hit the thing to cleanse it, it'll consume the entire stack and give you one quest item. Oh, no. So you have to loot one, use the thing. Loot that's one, actually been for a long time. That's been, that's been at least since, I think, I want to say Wrath. Yeah, but it yeah. wasn't like that at launch. So their no, fix no, it made it worse, and they just kind of were like, all right, whatever. You know what? You know what I'm looking forward to now? Mm. I'm looking forward to getting there on the leveling stream. Because I'm sure that doing oh, yeah. all of these delightful quests will suddenly get people's attention. And and I won't say this quest is broken, but it's very irritating. <laughs> the quest to get plump buzzard wings. I was killing them for an hour. I killed hundreds and hundreds of vultures. I drove their species extinct. Genetically modified other mobs to become buzzards. Killed all of them. And I still only had 7 out of 12 buzzard wings. Oh, jeez. It Outland needs help. It's really, really bad. And I wouldn't be surprised if a new player, if they don't straight up skip everything with the boost, they're not going to play past Hellfire Peninsula. It's bad. The thing is, is that the problem with Hellfire is a lot of that stuff gets missed because even if you're if you're in heirlooms, you can be level 63 in like no time at all in Outland in Hellfire. So you if you're not if you're doing that, you miss a ton of the really bad stuff, and people so people don't report it. Yeah. Or they they play it like I, I knew about the boar thing you were talking about, but you know what I did when it happened? I dumped the quest and went to another area. Like you can go hit Zangarmarsh at like level 61. Yeah, and, and part of it, like, I am using heirlooms, so I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but yeah. I've tried to stick to a somewhat legitimate quest flow in that I try oh. to complete a zone if See, I don't completely weird. level it. That feels weird to me, and that must be a recent thing, because I leveled this character, the one I'm on right now, I leveled this character and took them, I think, through the entirety of Hellfire Peninsula, and I finished Hellfire Peninsula... And then I went to Nagrand and got to the point where I could go to Northrend. Those were the only two zones so I hit. Yeah, so you can ba- basically, you could stay in Hellfire and then skip everything else, or you could leave Hellfire real early and go go yeah. to like Zangarmarsh and Terracar and be done. Like you can finish in, t- in Zangarmarsh. Yeah, what I'm saying. You seriously though, can. Um, what I'm saying though is that when I went through Hellfire and I completed everything, and this was probably... We weren't about, having the problems. Yeah, yeah. It was probably like about four months before Warlords launched. Four or five months before Warlords launched. No, earlier than that. It was about a year ago. And, um, and like, I don't think they need to do a Cataclysm-style Reds rebuild the entire expansion. No, they just need to they fix, need to fix, fix what's broken. They just need to like, do, fix what's broken and maybe do a pass so it's not like okay, I got a quest at this hub to send me the second hub, but the second hub sent me the third one, sent me back to the first one, sent me back to the third one, and the second one, and the first one. There's no quest flow. You're just going everywhere in yeah. Hellfire Peninsula. And if they can just maybe reorder that a little bit, that would be make it a fine experience and fix the bugs. Then there would be no See, problem. It also depends on the faction, too, because Horde is a little bit more linear than Alliance, because Alliance has that weird couple of dwarves out in the middle of nowhere, yeah, and you actually you have to go back to Netherguard or not to you don't have to you don't have to go back to Netherguard, but the quest is for Netherguard beer. Oh yeah, there's they a sell, there's a fun bug with that it. one. Yeah, but they sell the, the beer in in your uh, in the Honor Hold base, but I didn't know that the first time I got that quest. Do they? So I had to go back. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Well, I didn't say they do. They do. They they sell it there. But uh, I didn't know that, so I went back to the. I had to fly back to the dark portal and go through. And yeah. now, it, you know what my experience that. with that was. Um, first, depending on how you enter the blasted lands, you're either phased or not phased with Warlords of Draenor version or pre Warlords version. Mm-hmm. And you can toggle it on or off by talking to an NPC by the dark portal. Yeah. But so you can go through the portal to Outland come back out of the portal to the post-Warlords Blasted Lands, not be able to go back through the portal immediately because that portal doesn't go to Outland anymore. Yeah, you're lucky too because um, when I was on my... I have a level 60 Death Knight that I was trying to take back through the Dark Portal and he couldn't go through it at all. Like for the, the Hellfire Peninsula Dark Portal, he couldn't go through it because somehow his game was toggled to the Warlords release... So the the dark portal doesn't work at all, and I had to take the portal to Stormwind. 
and then fly back to the blasted lands. Yeah, the the Stormwind Portal is just how you have to do it now. Yeah. So there's a lot of messed up stuff. The thing is, is it's just the Hellfire has always felt kind of strange for a long time now, because after after BC when they started letting you fly in Outland at yeah. like level sixty, Hellfire really became like you skip a lot of it. It isn't, there's no reason to go talk to those dwarves. I don't do that. There's no reason to, you yeah. can completely skip their hub. Just do the two, like the temple of Telhamat and the, uh, honor hold and get out of the zone. You, you're done. You do not need to be in that zone anymore. You can go to other zones. And it just, it doesn't feel right. It, it's a strange feeling. Honestly, you know what else feels kind of strange? The fact that you can do what Ian suggested. You can hit up two zones in Outland and you're out. Like, uh, you could hit, like, you could really just do everything in Hellfire and then everything I, in the Grand yeah. and be done. Yeah, it really I, does feel like they just intend you, tend for you to ignore Outland, which is unfortunate because I think a lot of it is good. They've just let it break over some time. Of, some of my favorite quests, I mean, I had to kind of make a conscious decision about it. And the whole reason I went to the Grand is because I really love the Grand. Um, I just, I think it's fun to question, but once I hit, you know, once I hit level 69, level 70, it was like, well, there's no reason for me to be here anymore. Yeah. I should probably just go to Northrend, which is too bad. Cause I mean, there's like quest chains out in Blade's Edge that I love doing, absolutely love doing. And there's quests in Netherstorm that I love doing, but I never Netherstorm really... Netherstorm in particular... Netherstorm's this great. <laughs> well, the thing is, is for this expansion in particular, like Netherstorm tells you, you know, there's a character, there's a, a villain in this expansion named Sokrathar. Yeah. And Netherstorm, Netherstorm's all about him. Yep. Like his whole thing is in Netherstorm, which I don't know if anybody who didn't play in BC has done that. Probably not. Like, has anyone been to Netherstorm since Wrath? I don't think Netherstorm is literally the only reason people go there is to go hit Tempest Keep. Yeah. I love that place. Yeah, I, I remember dinging level seventy. I dinged it in um, the ghost village, that was off in the corner. Here in Var. Yeah, that place was great. It was so full of quests. Like yeah, I went, the, and then you had to escort that cow. <laughs> there's um, what's his face, ghost mage guy, Vargoth. Yeah, Vargoth. yeah. Vargoth. players Vargoth. like players that have started playing since Burning Crusade will have no idea who that guy is. It's pretty much just a callback well, for they, the people who've they, been there they since know BC. That he's like, he's that guy that's up at the top of the tower in Dalaran if you do the, the achievement thing. I believe yeah. it's up there. But like, and that's just you a don't, reference back to him. Yeah, you don't get that whole history of, yeah, people just deliberately did not turn in that quest because they wanted to keep the staff to keep summoning him forever. <laughs> uh, you know, another, another problem with the Hellfire Peninsula quest is there's no consistency on how quest items you have to use work. Yeah. Like, now all of those things show up in your objectives list. You can click it from there if you want to. Once in a while, a quest in Hellfire will show up there. I think there's just a couple that work with that system. Yeah. Then there's some that go in your inventory. And you have to go into your inventory. And if you and don't find know, it. then it's right. like, well, how the heck do I complete this thing, you know? And there was one quest, it's the quest where you have to put down, like, fireworks underneath towers so dwarves can bomb the towers, yes. or whatever, if, like, smoke flares. Zethkor. Yes. Yeah, Zethkor must burn. I picked up that quest, and I logged out for the night. I logged back in, I went to do it, and I couldn't find the item. Oh, no. I was like, why is the item gone? I was searching my bags, and I was like, did I do something wrong? Am I not understanding? I abandoned the quest, went and picked it up again, and saw the quest item has a two-hour duration. Oh, no! The quest <laughs> item that you need to complete the quest and does nothing but complete that quest has a two-hour duration. while I was logged out. Oh, my gosh. Why? Why? That makes make no sense. sense. Why would you do so, yeah, that? Basically, basically, I think you're making a good point, and I'm going to move us on to the emails now, but... yeah. I think that you're making a good point that basically what it needs isn't an update. It doesn't need to be cataclysmed. It just needs to get the quality of life adjustments and to be like fixed well, and is, brought is up, like, brought up to now, basically brought they, up to the way the game. Yeah. Comes. When they make these changes, these quality of life changes, like the whole item squish thing, or oh, we're going to make it so that you know quest items work through 
the interface, the tracker interface, or all this other stuff, they need to go back and look at how that affected all of that old material. Because I get the distinct feeling that they just didn't do that with Outland. Like, they didn't bother doing it. Why would they bother doing it? Right. And it's, like, questing through Outland, I'm just continuously getting the impression that Blizzard doesn't care about this content. But if you're not paying money to boost straight to Warlords, then it, that's content players have to play through. And it doesn't look good. And when things are just busted and don't work right just because they haven't been paying attention to it, that's a horrible player experience. It does not look good at all. Anyway, let's go ahead and go to emails. Okay, the first one is actually not an email. But it's from uh, one of our Patreon backers. So, uh, it's Sergeant Zim, who's a DK on Colterus. Col- Tar- um, which I always want to say Tolkaris lately. I don't know why. Uh, it feels like the clock starts b- ticking on a patch as soon as it hits the PTR, thanks to the info dumps and the like. Do you think that this hurts the patch? I.e., do we get tired of the patch too quickly after it hits live because of this? Uh, it seems that we are all hungry for new stuff, and so we gorge on the information in the PTR. At the time it hits live, it's a bit stale for some. I would even say this majority of players have a good chunk of information from you guys, Wowhead, etc. I stay off the PTR for this reason. I'm starting to think I may keep away from spoiler sites in Wowhead as well, focusing only on the current content. Thoughts, Uh, Sergeant Zim? Well, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about the PTR. It is the news about the game, and it's stuff people kind of want to know. But it's interesting you say that, because in my experience... 90% 90% of players have no idea what's going on on the PTR, even while it's going, even while it's on sites, even while we're talking about it. People are constantly like, what? Huh? What? That's happening? Like, for all the, I think the people that read sites like this and the people who work on them, too, are kind of in a minority of WoW players in that we're extremely well-informed. I mean, I don't know what Alex or Ann think, and they're more than welcome to answer this themselves, but I think most players really don't have this information, and they, they, they just play, and they don't experience it at all. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think? And, and for me, um, even when I'm on the PTR, I don't... I mostly scratch the surface. I see, okay, what's new? How does it work? Okay, great, I understand it. I can talk about it. But that doesn't mean I'm playing through it, like, I'm not sitting down, like, okay, I'm going to have a good time and play the game. And those are two totally different experiences. Like, on the PTR, I go, okay, here's the new thing. That's what's going to happen when it goes live. And I just un- understand it. But I don't play it and enjoy it and see it as entertainment until it's live. And those that, for me, is two completely different experiences. It's still brand new when it's live, even though I've seen it already on the PTR. There's an analytical way to play through this stuff, and then there's the wee wee hoo, I'm gonna go have fun doing this kind of way to play through this stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm kind of the same way because I mean, when I'm on the PTR and I'm testing content and things like that, I'm not. I mean, okay, I write about lore. So a lot of what I'm doing is obsessively paying attention to what's happening to the story and screenshotting everything just in case something changes. Um, And if it doesn't change, okay. If it does change, then cool. I got a record of what it used to be. So that's kind of fun. But um, I, I think I probably pay closer attention to that than you do, Alex because I'm looking for the lore information and I'm looking for the story information, but it's not, it's, I'm cataloging it. I'm not, I'm not really like playing it to go have fun with it. I'm cataloging it. And there is a difference. There's a difference between when I play it on the PTR and when I play it it on live. Um, Because live is just, I'm going to go bust this thing and then I'm going to go bust that thing and it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, you play through the stuff and it's fun. Um that's not even addressing this question, though. Does the clock start ticking as soon as it hits the PTR? I don't think so. I kind of agree with Rossi. I think that there's a, you know, the majority of players, they, they pay kind of cursory attention to what's going on the on the PTR. Like, when, when they release PTR patch notes, they'll look over the patch notes. But they don't actually, like, download or log on the PTR or play through that content. Um, it's just 
they kind of keep an eye on what Blizzard posts news-wise, so they have an idea of what to expect. I mean, back in vanilla and probably most of Burning Crusade, I was in the, I was in the Burning Crusade beta, like for the expansion, but PTR patches and things like that, I didn't even know what a PTR was. <laughs> Yeah. I, I didn't play with that. I didn't do anything with that. I just played the game, you know, and I kind of looked at the patch notes just to see what was coming up and if it was going to affect me. But that was the extent that I went into it. And I, I, I get the feeling that there's a giant chunk of players that, that that's all they do. Um, and I mean, if you want to avoid spoilers and you want to avoid that kind of thing, more power to you, man. Go ahead. Just focus on the current stuff. It's fine. I think personally that a lot of the hype and a lot of the interest right now is just because there was a really kind of a long stretch of time between yeah, and, six And I do think the, the time scale is totally a factor. Like, the yeah. longer it is between patches, the more hype there is behind the PTR. And if there hasn't been new content in a really long time, I think you're going to see way more people playing on the PTR. And when that happens the clock does start taking on content. Because it really depends too. It. Yeah, it, it also depends too on... You talk about like not having on content for a while, but one of the other problems which is rooted to that is when we have a PTR or when we have a patch that is all systemical patch. Like 6.1 wasn't anything. Yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't... There was no content. We, we, got, was stu- we got the raid... But the raid wasn't even part of the 6.1 patch. 6. It came 1. out before then. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, 6.1 yeah. 6. was... 6.1 itself was just stuff. It, it was, was good stuff, but it, was, yeah. it wasn't any content. And yeah. that has an effect, you know. It's not just the amount of time between content. It's the fact that when... It's like, this patch has stuff in it. I don't know how else they put it. It's like... And the thing is, is like, 6.1 did have stuff in it. It's just the... I mean, the it big was... piece of content, like actual content and not game systems, the piece of content in 6.1 was a Harrison Jones quest, Jones quest line on a random spawning. Yeah. Like and the weekly was... quests and things like that. But that that was about it, really. Um, and that was mostly to get you kind of amped up and get you more... Um... Well, 6. they introduced 1... the treasure hunters and they introduced, you know... The next... Yeah, but the, they introduced the treasure hunters... And nerfed the gold, so you kind of needed the treasure hunters to get the <laughs> same amount of gold you used to be getting. Well, I tell you what, if they hadn't, if they hadn't nerfed the gold, um, you'd be paid for the next four years instead of the next two. Well, years. no, because I wouldn't <laughs> have had treasure hunters yeah. that I have now. Yeah. So I would have had the same amount of gold for less work. <laughs> but um, six point one very much felt like um, elegant solutions that should have been there at launch and like integra- integrating different <laughs> aspects of content together better and guiding you better through what content existed but it and came, selfies yeah selfies. selfies but it came so long after launch it's like okay these things are great but i don't want to do these things anymore i just did them for months yeah, yeah like also, like, but i think that's that's the effect it has on the pcr in terms of people's interest in it like, if you have a PTR that is that... People didn't care about the 6.1 PTR. Not too much, no. And that's, you know, that's basically my they point. They care about this one because it's a brand new zone, brand new raid, brand new all kinds of stuff. So they want to know what's going on with it. But I think that the re- part of the reason that they care so much about it is because, like I said, there was that big long gap. Because you're looking at November to now with no real story progress going on. And... yeah. For me, that's why I'm looking at 6.2, because, like I said, no story progress going on. What are we doing, and why are we doing it? Like, why are we... I also... No. um, I also do think it's worth noting that if you're somebody who is really hardcore into one thing, and what you do involves getting on the PTR and being hardcore about that one thing, then you're probably going to be bored of it by the time it goes live. Like, um... Uh, Anna, who writes Pet Battles for us, mentioned just now on the chat channel that she's she gets burned out on the new Pet Battle stuff on the PTR, because that's what she does. And, for example, the high-end raiding guilds who see it as mandatory to test new raiding counters on the PTR, they've seen... They haven't seen Mythic, or like the, the hardest version of anything yet, I don't think. But no, they've, they've seen all the bosses already. One, 
They've only tested one boss so far. Yeah, but I mean, just PTR. By the time it comes out, yeah. yeah. By the the time time it comes comes out, out, they'll have done all of that. Yeah, they've gotten a look at it all. All right. Well, I think basically our point is that you know it it isn't necessarily that big a burnout, but you can manage it if you want to. I think just to to bring this back around to an answer. And that question Uh, came from one of our Patreon supporters. So if you support us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. You can send us your questions there, and we will totally answer them. Okay, next question is from Winterfell, a Worgen Frost Death Knight. Hello, Blizzard Watch. I have a couple lore questions for you. Uh, Dan, do you want to answer these like one at a time, or do you want to like just do the whole email? Why don't we answer these one at a time? Okay. First one is, I came across an interesting theory on the story forums today. In Unbroken, we were introduced to the Red Mist. The Horde used this Red Mist in the Battle of Shatrath and had the ability to disconnect Ranai from the Light and corrupt them into Broken. Now, the Red Mist has never been seen before or since, and it seems like a one-off plot point that Blizzard had forgotten about. However, someone in the forums theorized that the Red Mist was modified form of the Blood of Sethek, the Blood of Seath, that the uh, adherents of Rukmar used to punish unworthy Arakoa. Do you think this holds water? Absolutely. And um, one of the interesting... Did... Sorry. No, I was going to say, didn't Alex suggest this like a few weeks ago? Yeah. Um, People when were I was kind fr- of bantering it back and forth. When I was first yeah. playing through that quest line and I saw the mist, I was like, hold up. Are, is this going to like dovetail with the Draenei story? It didn't. But it didn't. But here's I the totally interesting... I expected it would because it seemed obvious to me. Okay, but interesting here. All right. Um, if you go through the Hellfire Citadel gallery that I posted okay. one of the screenshots that I took was of one of the hallways and there's actually like red mist floating in the hallway which Ooh. I found interesting I was like oh, oh. Is that the- well, isn't Ishtar there's an Arakawa there's an, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah yeah there is it's it's on the way to Ishkar so like yeah I was like is this going to be a plot point is this gonna is this gonna pop up? Is there gonna be something here? Because this is really interesting. I mean, if so, it does, that'll be my favorite story thing in this whole expansion. Yeah. Like that. Out of like, I think I talked about this before on the podcast, but out of everything in this expansion, I think the Arakoa are the best. I love them. I wish they didn't get the Tolvir treatment. Yeah. Where the second do... question is. Yeah. Go ahead. With I'm sorry. Se- sorry. Second question. No, it was my fault. Uh, why did the Iron Horde open a second front against main universe Azeroth before finishing off their enemies on alternate universe Draenor? Is it some kind of Hitler parallel, or did the Iron Horde have a logical reason for doing so? Keep up the good work, and congrats on the new site. I'm enjoying it even more than I thought did the old one. Uh, Winterfell, Worgen Frost Knight. So, second question. Uh, what do you think, Ian? I think that... I mean, okay... Are we talking about, like, why did they open the Dark Portal to Azeroth to begin with? Mm-hmm. I think like, so, yes. Like, at the beginning of the expansion, before finishing... Before having dealt with the Draenei and all that other stuff, I imagine. Because I imagine that what they looked at was the fact that, you know... Number one, they were amping things up. Number two, the Draenei weren't really providing that much of a pushback at that point. I mean, it it never felt... When I leveled through Warlords of Draenor on Alliance side, it never felt quite as desperate as the situation looked when you got to Outland. You know what I mean? Because Outland, you've got like that road that's nothing but Draenei skeletons. It's paved with the skeletons of... Okay, it looked really dire there. It looked really like all hope was lost and stuff just went in a handbasket. And... On Draenor, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like the violence kicked up anywhere near that level, and I don't I don't know if part of that was just Garrosh kind of steering the ship, as it were, and saying, "No, you want to go conquer this other world? Don't worry about the Draenei; they're not they're not going to be that much of a threat or whatever." But it to me, I think that's why they turned to main universe Azeroth as quickly as they did is because Garrosh was there right behind daddy going, yeah, no, don't ignore those guys. Those guys are nothing. Those guys are worth nothing. You should go through the portal and smash the heck out of this other planet because that's the really important thing here. 
do I, maybe don't I remember something like Garrosh telling Grom that like everybody in Azeroth was a bunch of big whiny babies that could just be punched over. Kind no of. No problem. Kind of, yeah. Even though we beat the crap out of Garrosh and sent him running, so... Well, in, think... in the story, yeah, in that story, uh, and I'm not remembering the name of the top of my head, but the, the, the one where Garrosh meets up with Grom and it's sets Hellstream. everything in motion. It's just Hellstream. Yeah, Hellstream. In the story Hellstream, uh, Garrosh very deliberately sets up this picture of the, the Alliance and Horde back on Azeroth as like being a threat, and he very carefully makes sure that Grom doesn't see everything what so that he grom doesn't know sees, what's going on yeah what grom sees grom sees green-skinned orcs that have very obviously been you know embraced this whole idea of foul magic and and getting together with demons and all of that and then he sees them crushed and garrosh very clever he cuts it off before thrall can ex- escape the internment camps and before any of that garrosh cuts it off right there and he's like, look, this is the destiny that you guys are, are, are destined to complete here if you drink that blood. This is what happens to you. And Grom says, this is a terrible thing. You know, and that's that's why he turns it down. I have a feeling that, you know, part of it, like I said, Garrosh is like, y- you should go conquer this planet here because that's where the remnants of these fell tainted orcs are at, and you should wipe them from the face of history. I don't know. I don't know. There could Even be all else? kinds of it. The only the only person who knows this is dead, so, and the other well, one is like locked up in Hellfire Citadel somewhere. I'm assuming he's he's nowhere to be found. So, what's interesting too is like if you look at the world as we go as we adventure through it, and it, it's like six to eight months at the least. I think it's almost a year by the time you get to like you know the yeah. the raids. Um, the Iron Horde took over Shatrath, but that's pretty much it. They didn't take over uh, Auction Dune. They pushed no. up against it, but they never took it. That's and not a lot made, of Draenite. They kind of made a move on Karabor, but they didn't get very far. You know. Yeah, like they made a move on Karabor, but, but you know we foiled that. But they hadn't made that move on Karabor before we get there. Like so, they did not actually fight the Draenei all that much. They they skirmished with them. They took Shatrath, which is kind of like a museum city. Like the whole point of, of Shatrath on this world was that it's like a little piece of home. It's the Draenei saying, "Look at this. This is what our home is like." However, we're not going to live here all that much because you know it's kind of depressing. Uh, we're going to go over there. But so they took that place, and that's basically it. Like Gorgrond was already you know pretty much iron. It was already like orcish. The, the Draenei didn't bother with it. Uh, Frostfire Ridge, which has got some Iron Horde presence, that was always a place more for orcs than Draenei. Draenei didn't really want it. The only in the Grand, obviously, there's some Draenei there because you there's one city that I can think of. Uh, that's but that's basically it. There's not a heavy Draenei presence in the Grand. They had like one area. Everything else was the the Warsong, or the or the ogres. The ogres had a big chunk of it. It's just it it's interesting that there's no. The war didn't happen yet. Like we we show up just in time. It's like Garrosh basically said, "No, you don't even. Let's not even fight that. Just ignore those guys. Let's 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 pay attention to the, you know. Just getting it started in Shadowmoon. That was it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's and it's it's funny that like Nerzul is only doing it because Grom says, "Prove your worth to us, not conquer these people for us." He just wants Nerzul to show him something. And Nurzul decides, well, I'll, all right, I'll blow up the, I'll kill the Draenei with this dark god then. Like, he, you know, he could have, like, showed him anything, but he, you know what I'm saying? Like a really like, cool yo-yo trick. Or, like, oh, yeah. you know, rabbit um, out of a hat, something like that. Sweet Ollie. Yes, yeah, sweet Ollie. <laughs> you didn't have to break our, our people's Half sacred like vows. You just could have done some sweet shredding under your axe. <laughs> Not... Dude, that guy's awesome. You're in. Nurzul plays a... Yeah, he plays a sweet lick, and it turns out that it turns out that Grom's a huge brutal legend fan. That's all he was looking Chilorog for. Dude, near Zool, I was just hungry, man. I was asking for lunch. Lunch, something, you know. Damn. But yeah, ultimately, it it feels an awful lot like they didn't even. It's not even a question of them opening a second front. This is the first front. Like the the fact that they're fighting the the Draenei or conquering stuff on this planet is almost secondary. Like they re- their whole intention, their focus was to come through the portal and crush us, and 
Wow, did that not work out for them? Because they had to learn the lesson that literally everything else has learned. Azeroth is like a garbage disposal. Do not put your hand in it. It will, yeah, when you take it back out, there will be a stump left behind. It's a bad idea. And maybe Garrosh didn't know that, because, you know, Garrosh was from Draenor originally. He was from Outland, so even he... I don't, I don't think that Garrosh was really cognizant of just how hard Azeroth fights for itself. Well, that's a funny thing, because Garrosh never really had much respect for Azeroth. No. Like, no. who did he like? He liked the Tauren. He liked the Tauren, to a degree. And he yeah. liked well, the orcs, obviously. But, yeah, like, but... the rest of the races were kind of, eh, take it or leave it. Most of them were leave it. Not only leave it, leave it and and crush it into the ground. There was yeah, just... he didn't have he had literally no respect for the alliance even after losing a couple battles to them. Yeah, and he didn't have much respect for half of the horde races. Pretty much. So yeah, his view of Azeroth is pretty. It's ironic Skewed. that dude. Yeah, he gave terrible advice to Grom. Like if if he if if they'd spent twenty years conquering Draenor, they probably could have then fielded a much more impressive army to go through the portal. The only good advice that he gave Grom, and it stuck, was whatever you do, don't drink the stuff that comes out of that demon. Because that's a terrible idea. Uh, we're not, we don't know that yet. The expansion's not over. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, could, he could guzzle down a whole pit lord for all we know. <laughs> but yeah, um, the whole invasion of... <laughs> Invading like Azeroth is just a stupid <laughs> idea at this point. I mean, uh, Azeroth is popular. Like, everybody in Azeroth is dead, except for the most battle-hardened bastards in the universe. Don't pick a fight with Azeroth anymore. Well, it's like, even the people that, like, sell you fruit, or who, like, just wander around your cities, talking about their wells, are people who've survived multiple horrible battles. Yeah. Like, even that old lady who's like, ah, the stupid Alliance army had to fight in my field. It's like, she's seen more, she's seen stuff you you don't even want to think about what she's seen. Walking corpses everywhere. Yeah, it's like, you know, everybody has seen this. Dear little granny, yeah. the fruit seller, she's seen some things in her life. There's a, there's a kid wandering around the canals of Stormwind selling pets to random people. That kid has seen a dragon the size of a city come right through the park and then land on the front gate. That kid, that kid's and melt story. stone with its claws. Yeah. You know, yeah. What happened? Like, how is the park just gone? Did Deathwing eat it? I think he actually just came. Based on the on the uh, whole cinematic, he basically comes up through it. No, like because the park was kind of over the water. He comes up the other way. The reason the park is gone, and I mean gone, I think that this was a personal thing on Deathwing's part because the first, the first person who ditched the Dragon Soul and well and truly beat him was Malfurion Stormrage. What was in the middle of Stormwind's Park? Night Elf territory. There was a big moon well right in the middle of it, and Deathwing wasn't having any of it. Um, so oh, he so just he took play- that thing. He was playing Zach's ass when he blew it up. Okay. I, I he would took guess that thing out. My theory is he took that out because it was much easier than taking out, um, like the trade district. Well, he could have taken out the trade district too. Um, I think he was try sending making a message. The center. Do I want to destroy a peninsula or this center of the continent? I'll go with the peninsula. Yeah. All I know, all I'm going to say for this is quite simply that people on Azeroth, I mean, that's the kind of thing where they sit around on the docks afterwards debating it. Eh, yeah. That dragon totally could have killed everybody. I wonder why he didn't. It's so, true. You know, they, and they don't even care. They're not even like, you know, I would be like hiding under my bed for the rest of my life. But they were <laughs> like, nah, yeah, it's pretty horrible what happened. You know, it was really terrible the way it swooped out, down to the gate and took those heads you don't think he's going to reanimate them or anything, right? do you? Nah. Nah. Well, maybe. That happens from time to I time. Mean, who knows? I remember when my mom came back from the dead and tried to kill me. <laughs> okay, so you have the Horde, the original Orcish Horde, which came to Azeroth, won for a while, then was defeated. Right. And then you have Ragnaros and Anixia and the Old Gods and the Lich King and the Burning Legion and then Deathwing and more Old Gods. And then you go back to that original orcish horde but not as good 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. It's just you're not even on the radar anymore. Well, it did really not work out for them, so. No. Okay, let's move on to the next email. Uh, going to move a little bit down this because we're running out of time here. Uh, whew. Okay. Hi, everyone. This one is from Diana. Uh, just as Diana. So, On your last show, you all spoke about the War Crimes novel by Christy Golden. I read The Shattering, but it's the only Warcraft novel I've read to date. I enjoyed it, and I was looking at some other Warcraft novels to read, but I'm not sure where to go next. You all bring up topics and lore items that happen in War Crimes quite often. Should I just skip the other novels and read it next, or would I be missing out on some important plots and character details if I do so? I've read fantasy and science fiction novels my entire life, so from experience with various book series, I've learned that with some series, it's just not as good idea to skip ahead. Thanks, Diana. If you uh, want to be yeah. kept up to oh. date with Warlords of Draenor content, read War Crimes. It takes place, as long as you've done everything there is to do in Mists of Vandaria, War Crimes will make perfect sense. And by everything there is to do, I mean, if you went through the Siege of Orgrimmar and you saw the end cinematic, you're fine going into War Crimes. You're good. I, I don't think that there's anything really that ties too much into the other novels. The only other one that I would recommend picking up is Tides of War. Uh, I would also say if you if you if you have the time, that the Vol'jin novel is the also Vol'jin worth reading. The novel is excellent. Um, it's kind of a niche novel though because it's one of those ones that actually took place while Miss of Pandaria was going on, and it directly involves events that events that happened during one of those patches in Miss of Pandaria. Uh, um, I just think it's useful if you want to know why Vol'jin's in charge. Yeah, yeah, it is good for that purpose. Also, Michael Stackpole really good author it was a really good book and it also explained a lot of the isle of thunder stuff the main reason i recommend tides of war is because you get the whole jaina arc that way um you got part of it actually in the shattering and some events that happened in the shattering are continued in tides of war and then those are brought up again in war crimes so if you read those three um shattering tides of war then war crimes you'd be okay um i would also recommend you know I recommend. There's a lot of those books that I recommend, but um, you just recommend all of them. Is I do, I do. do there's it. only a couple that I don't recommend, like Cycle of Hatred. You can skip that one. <laughs> it really wasn't that good. But like uh, uh, for current content stuff, Rise of the Horde is really, really good. So is The Last Guardian. It's kind of this timeless one about Medivh, and if you want to know more about Cadgar, that would be the one to read. Um, the- if for if just for re, can you jump around? The thing with the Warcraft novels is they're not really a series that you have to read book one, book two, book three. They're more tie-ins, and the one you always want to read is the one that's immediately relevant to the expansion you're playing. Yeah. And then once you've read that one, read whatever else you want. It's you're not you're probably not going to miss very much if you haven't read the one before. They don't tie in directly. They don't lead from one to the next. It. They're okay. standalone novels that no. tie into the current game events. I have to, I have to kind of disagree with that a little bit because the thing is, is anything prior to the shattering is piecemeal. You can read it whenever; it doesn't really matter so much. Everything from the shattering onward, there's usually two to three novels that are dedicated to each expansion, and you could read them in whatever order you. But they. They definitely go in an order because the shattering is followed by Thrall Twilight of the Aspects and it calls back to what happened in the shattering. You know, yeah, like they you, reference go, each other. If you go from War Crimes to Arthas to the then Shattering. It's not going to. Arthas, Arthas came out before the Shattering did. Right. So it's I'm a standalone. Just, that's my example. I'm <laughs> yeah. jumping around. Yeah. So if you do it that way, that's completely less of an issue than, say, reading the. Reading War Crimes for Tides of War probably wouldn't make... that. That's why I say read Tides of War, because a lot of what happened in Tides of War is brought up in War Crimes, and it's actually big points in War Crimes, uh, particularly the stuff that happened with Jaina, because Jaina plays a pretty big part in War Crimes. But you don't really understand why she is the way she is unless you read Tides of War. You know what I mean? Okay. Oh, it's, just, it's just not as big of a deal as a traditional fantasy series. No, no. But yeah, they kind of, you know, it's it's they they tie in together. If you're looking for if you're looking for stuff for 
you know, when we reference war crimes, we reference war crimes because it was kind of the lead-in novel for Warlords of Draenor, but Tides of War was kind of the lead-in novel for war crimes and Mists of Pandaria and what happened. So, yeah. Basically, they bookend. Yeah. Tides of War and War Crimes bookend Mists of Pandaria, and between the two of them, they set up what happened. Yeah. So, but moving on to one, like, I think it's going to be our last question for the night. Um, Greetings, uh, B-Dub Pod Squad. B-Dub Pod Squad. That's so weird. That's terrible. Do you think Blizzard... (laughs) Yeah, I know. I don't like that. Do you think Blizzard has programmed themselves into a corner as far as diversity in the characters roster for Heroes of the Storm? I know they can draw from older properties and eventually Overwatch, but isn't it most most likely going to end up as majorly Warcraft majorly Warcraft characters? Whenever I hear people discussing possible additions to the game, it's about 286 Warcraft characters, Blackthorn, Rock and Roll Ra- Racing, and Deckard Kane. Any thoughts on what else they can drop in from Diablo and Starcraft universes? Uh, D- DG of the Group Quest podcast. Um, first off, I know for a fact that they're looking pretty heavily at, at Diablo because I know they're talking about putting Leah into Heroes of the Storm. Leah would be great. Uh, I want to yeah, see... As Leah, mind you. Not not as Diablo. I want to see Covetous Shen as a character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> I would be totally okay with that. I, I would like to see all of the male and female options for uh, Diablo. Yeah. I think that would be cool. Like, okay. you know. And for that matter, I would like to see like characters from older Diablo games. Like we don't have um like the necromancer. Like the necromancers in Diablo three, but they're not playable. I'd like to see them. Uh you know, the the druid from Diablo who can turn into a bloody werewolf. Yeah. Uh that's mm. that's pretty cool. The the oldest the and then they go back all the way back to the original game with like the fighter wizard and what was the third one? Like was it Rogue? I think so. Yeah, Fighter yeah. Wizard Rogue. You could totally do like you could have Aiden show up. You have the Skeleton King. I want to um, see Adrian. I mean, oh, Imperius. The Skeleton King would be a great. That would yeah. be great. I'd love to see Adria in there. Um, I like I said, I'd love to see Shen. Um, more of the angels would be cool too. Yeah, Imperius and Malthiel you could show. Yeah, the um, cast of Oriel. characters of these games is way bigger than I think some people think, especially people who primarily play WoW or Warcraft games and haven't delved into the others. Yeah. The yeah. cast of characters is pretty darn big when you include, you know, playable characters, supporting NPCs, bosses. Even is Tychus, has Tychus been put into Heroes yet? Tychus is, yeah, he was one of the original I thought Heroes. Was Raynor. I thought Raynor was one of the... Tychus and Raynor, Tychus was both added... Both. I think shortly after the game went into beta, but yeah. it started with Rainer and Nova God, and Kerrigan. They, they could put Mengst in there too if they wanted to. There's a data mined list of potential heroes. I think that came out months ago now that there's just little bits of data in the files about. Mengst was on there. Uh, Butcher from Diablo was on there. Ooh, that'd be a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's tons of them. You know, it, it, they don't. We're all familiar with World of Warcraft, so we immediately we can list Thrall, Jaina, Kael'thas, da 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 on forever. But people who play StarCraft and know the StarCraft story and the Diablo story, they can do the same thing. Yeah. Right now, here are the playable ones right now for uh, Star- just StarCraft in Heroes of the Storm. Abathur, Tychus Finley, Sarah Kerrigan, Bama Kowalski, uh, Jim Raynor, Tassadar, woo, Tassadar, Nova Terra, um... Gabriel Tosh, Zagara, and Zeratul. I don't you know, think my life for Ior. Tosh is playable. Is Tosh I don't think he's in there? Tosh Supposedly are or will be. It's, I'm looking it up on the wiki right now. Okay, I was gonna Supposedly say Tosh better be. The wiki is a bit wonky. Yeah, because I think are, it puts confirmed heroes in the same list as currently playable heroes, so they yeah. could say, "Oh yeah, we're gonna add, um, you know, so and so," but they're not gonna do it for four years. On the wiki, it's still listed as playable hero. Yeah, but at any rate, those are at least ones that have been listed as possibles. Including that, they've got three proposals here. Um, Artanis, Phoenix, and Salandris. Ooh! So, and there's actually... Look at the example of Sergeant Hammer, you play as a siege tank. They can just do that, too. I mean, you don't need named characters. Sergeant Hammer doesn't exist in StarCraft. It's just a siege tank. And Murky yeah. is just Murky. <laughs> you know? Brightwing, Brightwing isn't a thing. In Brightwing is actually a it's character. It's just a fairy just a... Yeah. yeah. And there's like tons of like you could you could totally put in just straight up Zerg. You could you could do a lot. I mean Starcraft. I'm gonna is play big. as a Zergling Rush. 
Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be way fun. And for that matter, I mean, you know, you could totally, like, have Asmodon. Yeah, you could. Isn't... Oh, I can't... I get my Diablo demons mixed up. Isn't that one that is... Isn't he already playable? Asmodon? Yeah. I don't think so. Who's the weird Pit Lord-looking guy? No, he is. You're totally right. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, he's playable. Okay. This is how much we play Heroes of the Storm. I've I, I was playing play it a lot, game. but then I stopped because, I just, you know... I, I, I lost track of who they had as playable heroes and who they do not, because I don't have it currently installed on my computer right now. Um, but yeah, I want to see... I really want to see Covetous Shed. That's <laughs> a playable hero. I want to see what they would do with the guy. <laughs> I You know, there's totally, like, tons and tons of possibles. And Covetous Shen would be fun because you can do a different type of thing. I mean, you can... You could have him do his various gem cutting skills, and it'd be weird and messed up. Give him an but, army yeah. of treasure goblins, <laughs> or something. I don't know, but yeah, him, Adria. I mean, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them that I'd love to see. I don't think that they've even. I don't. I don't think that they're going to run out anytime soon. No, not likely. So basically, what we're saying is. Yeah, I don't think that necessarily just because you know WoW does have a lot of characters, but the other the other uh, for lack of a better word franchises are not exactly hurting for characters. You could totally keep throwing in. You could just do StarCraft characters for the next year, next two years, and you could you could would be fine. I mean, when you uh, consider Legacy of the Void isn't out yet, any yeah. supporting character in Legacy of the Void that is unique to Legacy of the Void, oh, that's more characters in the stable to pull from later. Yep. And, and you know, what's other interesting thing about Heroes of the Storm is they do some interesting stuff with cross-game things. Uh, if one example is the, the Wrath Barbarian, the Barbarian Sonya. Yeah. Who is the Diablo Barbarian from Diablo 3. She has a skin that is basically wearing Warrior Tier 2 from World of Warcraft. Complete with Ashkandi and Quelsarar in her hand. You know, she's got Ashkandi main hand, Quelsarar offhand. Now... They can do that with anybody. They could absolutely throw... They could have a Draenei wearing Protoss gear. They could have, you know, Overwatch characters, you know, the the monkey whose name I forget. I want to see you know, Protoss Velen. Make it happen. Yeah, th- Somebody. Th- there's all these things they could do. They don't have... They're not limited to anything. Um, there's one skin Sonya has. I don't know what this is even, but it looks it looks really cool. Uh, it, she's just got like, messed up look, looking swords that I really like. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot they can do with these characters. Um, they've done like everything from Taronda, like Taronda as a blood elf. They have yeah, they have blood elf Taronda. I'm looking at her right now. Yeah, for yeah. skins, there's never going to be a shortage of skins either. Yeah, it, but it, my point being that they can do like you know they they can totally go around and do that kind of thing, cross-pollinating various characters. You can have a character who is a character from StarCraft, but who's using Warcraft gear or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Heroes isn't going to run out of characters for a long time. And by the time they start exhausting the stable of existing characters, Blizzard will have released more games and there's more characters. Pretty much. I mean, as soon as Heroes of the Storm starts adding characters from Overwatch, if they decide to do so... Overwatch is also going to be adding new unique characters forever because it's built upon the ability to do that. So now Heroes of the Storm also has an infinite supply of superheroes to add to the game. Yep. So I think basically that is it for the show for tonight. Uh, kind of ran out of time before we ran out of emails, but that happens. Uh, thanks everyone for sending us in. Um, remember, if you have an email for us, you have multiple ways to get it to us. Uh, Alex, what's, how does one use Patreon to do it? Um, if you decide to support us on Patreon, it's if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's uh, you sign up for a monthly recurring donation to the site, essentially, in order to support us. And on Patreon, on our page, once you've supported, you can either leave a, a note there. There's a activity. They just label it activity where you can leave posts and all that kind of thing. And I'll see all of that. Or else, once you're a patron, you can message me on Patreon. Patreon does have a message system, so you can send it directly to me, and I'll forward it to the podcast team. And if you you know, just want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can send an email to 
uh, Blizzard you know, podcast at blizzardwatch.com, and we will get it, and we do our best to answer them. Uh, and that's basically pretty much it. So thank you guys for like sending in emails for us to answer and listening to us talk about Burning Crusade. I know it might seem like a bit of a digression, but it actually is pretty important. I think Alex is is right there, and wow, hearing myself say that, I'm a little confused. But... <laughs> Yeah. I'm terrified. I'm yeah. myself. I need Burning to mark this day on my calendar. <laughs> I just, I think in general, like stuff like that does does have a negative effect on player experience. And we, in the in this age of people being able to boost and with people wearing heirlooms and so forth, we kind of forget that there is still people playing through that content. Uh, all I know come... is I can't wait to get there on the leveling stream. That sounds like it's yeah. going to be a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like genuinely looking forward to our group getting there, and it's sucking. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is I'll probably insist we just to do dungeons the whole time. No, like, no, we no. have to go through zones. We have to. <laughs> I, I don't want to do Hellfire. I want to just go to the dungeon. <laughs> let's let's wrap it up. Yeah, All we're right. done. Thanks very much, everybody. Have a good See night, everybody. everybody. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.